So Dustin, was that a yawn? No. Oh, sorry. I was, I was talking to, is that the sound? Jeez, it picks up everything except my voice, doesn't it? No, your voice is good. <laughs> Why? What was that sound? That was just me rubbing my head. Oh, maybe it was something else. Cause that, I don't think that's what it was. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Dustin's going to sing to kick it, send us into the show. Yeah. I am not. Gonna, I am not singing tonight. Say? I don't have anything to say. Sister Christian, man, time has come, <laughs> and you know that you're the only one. All right. Welcome <laughs> to. <laughs> another episode of Pajiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. Uh, I am Pajiba Comedy Editor Dan Hamamura. Uh, oh, there's a there's a new Ronnie Chang special coming. I should probably watch that uh, and maybe write something. Uh, never mind. Don't pay any attention to me. Uh, with me, as always, are Pajiba Managing Managing Editor Tori Preston. Hello. I would also like to watch that. Yeah. Comedy special. I will not write about it though because you are the editor of comedy. <laughs> or maybe that means I can just assign it to. If you want me to assign it to you, Tori, I'm happy to do so. No, 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 no. I think you should assign it to yourself. Uh, I mean, you know, in theory, I should I should justify the title once a year, right, Dustin? You uh, do Dustin's have that here. power. You can like <laughs> bring in a freelancer and make that person do it too. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's, that is interesting. Wait, but can can he assign it to you, Dustin? I'd rather he didn't, because that is not my well, lane. I mean, we're not talking about your preferences. I'm talking about the, the yeah, pure the power, power structure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yes. I suppose he could, yes. Oh, interesting. Uh. I did not realize that that was uh, within my powers until yeah. mm-hmm. just now, but that's good to know. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, because that is uh, not television, technically. I mean, it's a film. It's special, television. It's, it's, te- it's television, streaming. Jason. It's not. It's not what we normally cover, uh, unless it's Ali Wong. You could uh, assign me the Jeff Foxworthy special. That would be. A oh, that's you. You might give it too high a review, though. That's yeah. My fear. Um, <laughs> you know his classic joke about uh, participation trophies mm. for millennials, mm-hmm. which, which is uh, real hard-hitting stuff it's what um, he's hoping that snl finally it's like the direction he wants snl to go so that he can finally start grading them higher oh uh, okay yeah that makes sense that if jeff foxworthy was on snl then would, would that get a 10 Dustin? yeah no god no <laughs> uh jeff foxworthy was on marin like last week and i listened to like half of it and marin yeah he was nice but you could sort of sort of sense the condescension <laughs> from Marin you mean yeah like mm-hmm. a little but he was respectful I think they know a lot of people in common right yeah I mean it's not not that big a world and right. um, but you know luckily that's the only thing that a stand-up comedian has done of note in the past oh, that's right. 24 hours so <laughs> that's we don't have to talk anymore about stand-up comedy nope. or stand-up comedians about... telling jokes you know, and it's, the yeah. repercussions therein. <laughs> uh, 
nothing has nothing bad has ever come from an innocent joke. Nobody gets no. hurt. They're mm -hmm. never controversial. No, nobody uh, it's on stage. <laughs> millions of people. <laughs> never repercussions. <laughs> someone else. You might be a redneck if joke might be appropriate in this context. But really? uh, no. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> Just. All right. Let's. let's it feels move like on. the kind of thing that Dustin who do you, would say who because do you think would, Yeah. Who do you think would slap Jeff Foxworthy? Anybody. Anybody? Larry the Cable Guy would slap Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, that would be fun. That would be funny. Hmm. Anyway, we're here yes. to talk about TV, as <laughs> usual. Uh, and uh, oh, wait. Before before we move on there's one other thing that pops in my brain that i wanted to mention uh i don't remember i don't remember the name of this person but there was some <laughs> no it's not anyone we know but it, there was some like podcast producer on twitter who said something about how like oh i can't stand podcasts that do all the preamble and like all the stuff like before you actually get to your topic it's like i guarantee your show will be better if you just cut to it and then like and then you can then you can go on all the sides and tangents you want and um i was just thinking uh that producer would not do well here no mm -mm. uh in part because we would never take the note well and, yeah and also because we we know very specifically we have listeners who like the preamble and not the rest of the <laughs> no. so we're trying like, to find a balance here yeah 20 minutes about seltzer uh, speaking right. of which, I tried the strawberry lemonade this week and I loved it. The polar, I did find it. It's in a different. It's in a different kind of uh, uh, container box. box. Yeah. So yeah. I, did, I never noticed that. Like above the boxes that I usually get is a whole mother row of like uh, yes. polars that I've never noticed those. I thought it was a different brand, but I specifically looked for it this week and I found like and they're like ten different lemonade yeah. flavors and they're great. Yeah, lemon, lemon or limeade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say again, like the pineapple one is terrible and the blueberry one is terrible. Okay. All right. So you should definitely try those. Great. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm having one of them right now. The mango limeade. Okay. All right. All right. And then uh. so, somebody mentioned, uh, like a maple Pepsi this week. Oh, yeah. right. Um, hang on. Let me find it. Cause I was just about to go looking. Also, apparently, we were all mispronouncing LaCroix. <laughs> That's right. What is it? LaCroix? La La oh, it is LaCroix. Yeah, well, we were okay. saying LaCroix because, oh, yeah. Because right. we're French. No. Right. Well, Can and I should have... I should have known better. Like, I live in Vermont. We pronounce it Montpelier. <laughs> like, normally, like, the French pronunciation does not matter. It's always pronounced differently. So I should have just assumed it would be LaCroix or LaQuax or... You know, come up with right. something completely wrong. Um, uh, that's right. I forgot. Um, but good to know. We're always trying to improve. Yeah. Um, also, right. uh, the. Well, uh, I'm gonna still Lacroix. <laughs> like I'm never gonna <laughs> pronounce it right. <laughs> the uh, yes, the listener uh, on Twitter uh, at a lazy jellyfish asked us to talk about the Pepsi Maple Syrup Cola, which is an IHOP collaboration. Which means it's got to um, be the fake flavor, right? It, it must be. But also, it's not, you can't even buy it or get it at IHOP. I think it's just a, I think it's just a contest. Oh. Like, I think that's the only way you can get this, is by entering Pepsi's weird contest. 
So wait, is it just, is it like cola with maple flavor? It's Pepsi, it's maple syrup flavored Pepsi. Because, I, I mean, you guys have had maple soda before, right? I think I have. Okay. Because it's delicious. Knowledge. I don't believe you. Why don't you believe me? It's I don't not know. cola. It's like, it's, it's essentially maple seltzer. It's just, it's like made with sap. That doesn't sound, what, no, no, I've had like, a, what, I've had the, um, yeah, like the maple water. Yeah. So yeah. it's like that, but you carbonate it. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds fine. Yeah. It's great. Right. But this is also going to have the extra sugar of Pepsi. So the brand I've had has maple seltzer and maple soda. And the difference is the sugar content. Like there's, mm-hmm. the soda has a little bit more sugar, but like the flavor is more or less the same. Oh, okay. And is it? Um, but there's think? no caffeine, so there's oh. no cola. What I feel you... like it's just going to be too sweet. The cola one or the... The cola, the Pepsi one, yeah. Well, it's going to be the fake flavor, too. Right. Have uh, you... Um, a... Speaking of the IHOP, have you, IHOP, have you <laughs> ever had that they're like fake strawberry syrup? Yes. Disgusting. No. I don't know if I've ever been to an IHOP. What? It's good when you're a child or like a teen who just needs a ton of food. Or a college like, yeah. student and or you are drunk. Student, yeah. yeah, that can work. I bet um, they didn't have those in New York, did they, Tori? No, I went to the Seinfeld Diner oh, when yeah. I was drunk. Yeah. And it was diners. overpriced, but it was open all the time, <laughs> so I could just go there. Uh, we had, uh, you know, IHOPs, Denny's, and Waffle Houses. I've always wanted mm. to go to a Waffle House. Oh, no, you don't. They're so disgusting. What are you talking Why? about? So, I mean, I grew up Waffle all around houses. them. No, Waffle no. Waffle houses. You'll go great. in there. The last time I was there, and it wasn't that long ago, you could still smoke. And then you get, like, the short order cook is, like, smoking over the hash browns. And you see the ash <laughs> sort of fall in. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, fuck. <laughs> that's part of the charm of Waffle yeah. House. It's the ambiance. Yeah. yeah. I... I have to say, like, living through the period where suddenly, like, bars, like, you weren't allowed to smoke in bars anymore. Um, And it was, like, the idea that you could suddenly, and now no one would remember, but, like, I remember going to the same bars and being, like, I'm uncomfortable being able to see across the room. Like, I shouldn't be able to see that back wall. I sh- right. Clearly, I shouldn't be able to see, like, the people who are in this bar. There should mm-hmm. be a haze. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even about the smoking. It was just, like, I was not comfortable having clear vision yeah. in a bar. Yeah. For me, that was, um, I feel like maybe this is just a fe- the fact that I haven't, I didn't go to enough bars before smoking was banned. But uh, for me, it was, like, pool halls. Like, oh, yeah. like, like going to a pool hall, it's supposed to be hazy and weird and smell just like yeah. a million cigarettes. Yeah. And then they stopped it and all of a sudden you can see everything and you're like, yeah. oh, this, this is not, this is not cool. This is a very weird place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to that many. I mean, it kind of happened at least in New York, like by my sophomore. So it was like I had freshman year where I was not supposed to be able to get into bars, but clearly could. Mm-hmm. And then, like, by the time it was legal for me to be in the bar, suddenly, like, there was no smoking and I could see everything. And I was like, the the mystique is gone. <laughs> right, right. It's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, pool halls would be weird because you also, like, it helps you focus on your table and you don't feel like you're surrounded by other 
Yeah, like you, you, you kind of feel isolated even if you're surrounded by a bunch of other people yeah. at other tables. And that's an important feeling to have in public. I just want to still feel like I'm alone even when I'm <laughs> surrounded by people. And if that means I need to be like half blind, that's fine. Right. Well, well secondhand smoke. Never. Well, I can't finish that. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it did hurt some people, but like right. maybe not that. I mean, who knows? Science? What? There right. are still a few states left, right, where you can smoke, like Vegas, right? You can still smoke there, right? Well, At least in, the uh, in Vegas. Yeah, you can like smoke in, in like on the casino floor. Yeah. I don't know I if so. I don't know if that changed, but as of a few years ago, yeah. I bet there's a lot of states in the South where you can still smoke. A lot of waffle houses yeah oh my gosh part of part of the experience but talk about a place where you don't want to be able to see across the room like a casino floor <laughs> no that's true <laughs> like um also before i forget just didn't want to not shout out uh at Catherine elise who was the one who corrected our pronunciation of Lacroix. <laughs> we say Lacroix in the south so um, is that really true i don't know <laughs> I, feel like... I don't think they have that in the South. Nobody would drink <laughs> seltzer water. It's just Mountain Dew. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, so now that we know theoretically what it's, how it's pronounced, can I just say for the record that I'm going to keep calling it La Croix? Yes. yes. Okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. I drink polar seltzer. <laughs> like, <laughs> now it's Now it's like a point of pride. Like, fuck that stupid expensive seltzer being wrong <laughs> well and that's been seltzer talk on Hajiba, <laughs> your tv podcast uh but that does get us to what uh what everyone's drinking today um probably not seltzer water but maybe no i Dustin? told you oh i am drinking seltzer i'm drinking the mango limeade polar right seamless it no, is a seltzer true. talk that's into my... our drinking talk there we go. That's that's my fault. Dustin, are you drinking seltzer? I am not. I am drinking uh, because last time I told you guys that I enjoyed that uh, Sauvignon Blanc so much <laughs> that I bought a bottle just for the podcast. So I'm going to get real shit-faced tonight. It's a Kono, right. Kono from Trader Joe's. eleven ninety nine yeah. because, you know, the uh, $8.99 plus inflation. Right. Yeah. Supply chain issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I've had that one. It's good. Is it K-O-N-O? Yes. Uh, I'm looking at the label. Oh, yeah. I have had that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I am having a... I got a some kind of vaguely Japanese-looking beer, but it's, I think, from Sacramento. Uh, it's a... The... Yeah. The label says it's called the Bakeneko, which I believe means dumb cat. No, that's not right. What it's is? A, it's a type of it's a type of uh, demon cat, Japanese demon cat. Uh, but it's a peach pale ale, so it's mostly just an ale that has kind of a vaguely peach aftertaste. Uh, but yeah, it's by some brewery in Sacramento. Is there anything distinct about Japanese beer? Well, I don't think this is Japanese beer, so that's that's for starters. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's kind of like a company that found a cool uh, 
cool animal or cool mythical animal and said, oh, yeah, let's do that. I see. Is it like the thing that got broken out of the rock? Oh, no, that maybe. was like a that was a fox. God. That's a fox, though. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe this one also is going to break free somewhere. Could be. Um, How's anyway. the peach flavor on it? It's it's fine. I mean, it's not very strong. It's okay. mostly just a uh, yeah. It's just a. It's mostly just kind of a pale ale, and then at the end you kind of taste a peach. So yeah, it's just it's mostly just aftertaste. Yeah. But is it like the artificial like Haribo peach ring kind of peach flavor, or does it taste more like a fresh peach? Oh, it's not even that strong. It's okay. kind of like. Mm, did you ever have, have you ever had Japanese gum, like the little gumballs that, that lose their flavor after like five seconds? Yes. It's like that right before it loses its flavor. Mm. Oh. It's like that. Yeah, kind of very peach. kind of like subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh man, I haven't had that gum in a long time. I really liked it because it came in like tiny boxes yeah. that, were, that were way more expensive than they should have been for the amount of gum you got. Right. <laughs> but uh, it was good times. I should get some. I think they still sell it at the supermarket near me. Anyway, uh, this is a TV podcast, if you didn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Uh, Dustin, Dustin, did you watch Riverdale this week? Or I, uh, Yeah, I did watch oh, Riverdale. Okay. Do you, do you have a Riverdale recap. recap? I have a Riverdale recap, sure. Uh, okay. uh, let's see. This week, remember last week. Does it week, make sense? No. Last week, okay. uh, recall that there were an explosion, and then Archie and Betty had superpowers, yes. and uh, Jughead was left deaf. Well, this week, uh, Jughead's superpowers uh, manifested themselves. Uh, one, he's found one of his superpowers is the ability to uh, write graphic novels. Is that like actually a superpower, or he just well before has he, a flair for it? Well, before he couldn't write. I mean, he, he was a writer. He just and then after this, he couldn't figure out how to write anymore until he started writing graphic novels and then it like opened up his whole world and then after that he learned he could also read people's minds which was you know whatever I guess also a superpower but not as cool as being able to write a graphic novel but when you say write a graphic novel like there's usually an artist and a writer I know but he so can do it all he, he yeah. just does it all so he's drawing yes and that's how he's figured out how to communicate now that he's deaf. And but that's a, that's. So he can't talk? I, I, you know, he, I, he doesn't really. Okay. I, everything that Jughead does is like voiceover, so I don't even notice it. Because like okay. the, the show is narrated by Jughead. Right. Um, and then let's see, uh, Archie, uh, has a kryptonite and it's called palladium that's another mineral of some sort and uh one of the people working on his house fixing the house after it exploded uh like found some palladium and then archie lost his powers and then it turns out that this guy that was working on the house is actually the trash bag killer and like used it to uh weaken archie and abduct him and uh had him chained up but um Bingo, the dog, saved Archie from the trash bag killer who ran away. <laughs> uh, Betty is experiencing 
headaches is her big side effect from her superpower. But she's now left Riverdale because of the trash bag killer. She wants to lure the trash bag killer away from Archie so that he's not a danger to Archie. Uh, Veronica is dealing with the aftermath of having her father uh, put a hit on her father and he's dead. Um, she had the funeral. She gave the eulogy. Also, the hitman that she hired came to kill her because somebody used the same person to put out a hit on her, but we don't know who that is yet. It might be her mom, I think, because her mom actually visited, uh, came back for this episode, and she's now in like a real Housewives-type reality show. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Cheryl, uh, Abigail Adams, oh man, not Abigail Adams, Abigail Blossom, has is, now inhabits Cheryl's body. Right. And uh, Abigail is went and saw Tony, which was Cheryl's ex-girlfriend, and now she's in love with Tony because Tony is the ancestor of the woman that Abigail was in love with. They're obviously paid by the same character. But Abigail is with Fangs, but Fangs' ancestor killed Tony. So there's like a weird thing going on there. Tony's ancestor. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Fang, Fang's ancestor killed Tony's ancestor. And Abigail's like freaking out because she's in love with Tony now and like worried about Fangs. Oddly enough. That is actually very reminiscent of a storyline in Hotel de Luna. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, when you tell, when you talk about the Cheryl storyline, I literally, it's just, I don't know the names of the characters. I don't understand the timeline. Mm-hmm. It gets so confusing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is confusing because a lot of the, I mean, the ancestors are like from the 18, 17, 1800s right. and now they're inhabiting present day bodies and they're trying to take over Riverdale again. Oh, uh, also, and one of our um, readers ask every week and I pointed it out this week specifically, almost none of the main, main characters share screen time anymore for whatever that's worth. Hmm. Archie and Betty do. But the rest of the cast has their own sort of separate storylines. Right. And it may or may not be because the rest of the cast can't stand each other. Well, I mean, Betty and Jughead broke up in real life. Yes. So, and that makes sense that they might not be together. But, like, Veronica is separate and Cheryl is really separate in her own little world. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I was sort of looking it up today just to see what I could find. And I did find that there's a there's a character named Kevin who everybody loves, but is barely on the show. <laughs> and uh, I saw I saw something like last year, uh, Jughead uh, Cole Sprouse was on Jimmy Fallon. And and Kevin, the guy who played Kevin, was like, oh, man, that's a really uh, shitty beard he has. And Cole Sprouse tweeted at him, that shitty beard has had more lines, has spoken more lines than you have in the last three seasons of Riverdale. So (laughs) there's clearly some animosity between some of the actors. Hmm. I don't know what you might have heard, Dan, in the, you know, the lot. Not the... Uh, the, Yeah, the lot. 
I mean, yeah. first of all, I, there there is no lot. Second of all, I wouldn't know what you mean anyway. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah. Uh, but that that is fascinating. Um, I still don't understand anything that you're saying ever about this show. Oh, no, I understand. But, but the, sort of like the uh, subplot for me going forward is trying to figure out the real life care of actors and how much they hate each other. Oh, okay. Well, because, I mean, that at least there might be a solution. You can't make heads or tails of this plot. No, you really can't. The show, yeah. So you might as well. It just seems like also it's not just that they're siloed in their own storylines. It's that all of their storylines are so elaborate. Mm -hmm. And like, so like, what is the A plot? I think it's Archie and Betty... And their superpowers while searching for the trash bag killer, I guess. But it also seems like, but like, if that's true, then why, like, because there are, you know, obviously there are B-plots that can have, can be elaborate. But when you've got like the Blossom Ghost Brigade mm. and, you know, Veronica's assassin family drama, like any of those could be front it's and center. true. Yeah, yeah. And they all sort of do get sort of equal time just yeah. in their own worlds. So there kind of is no A plot. I don't think so. And this is all um, just to make it clear in my head. uh, This is all still in the flash forward. Like they jumped forward five years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's permanent. It's like that. That was that was real. That was not part of Rivervale. Right. Rivervale. (laughs) No, no. They're Um, in the future all happened in a single episode yes also kevin decided to become the deputy to his dad's the sheriff and now kevin's the deputy but he had one scene where he's like hey dad i've decided to stay in riverdale and be the deputy and dad's like cool kevin that sounds great and that was basically his entire time on the show I also so. like that there's some, that, I mean, obviously these characters are all named from the uh, comics, but that, you know, most of the character, most of the main characters have these very distinctive names. And then the character that everyone loves the most is Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's your Riverdale recap. All right. Well, thanks, Dustin. Um, from uh, from I guess we're staying in the CW world yeah. because from from Riverdale we're gonna go all the way to San Francisco for Tori's most uh, latest most latest latest uh, <laughs> corner. <laughs> I, I know how to say things. Um, uh, I like that the only regular features we have are about alcohol and CW. Like, I think we're doing really well as a television podcast. These are these are the these are what the fans want. You know? <laughs> um, well, speaking of what the fans want, let me just tell you about this latest episode of Kung Fu. Um, it opened with uh, it's like the middle of the night and Nikki can't sleep. So she's like doing Kung Fu in the corner and Henry wakes up and he comes out and he's just wearing like shorts and no shirt. Mm-hmm. And it was the highlight of the whole episode. And I'm not like a lot of things happen this week, but it's just really nice when a show kind of just starts out um, delightfully. And I'm not, it's not like it can go down from there, but it's just sort of like, it just puts you, you're just in a happy place. And then you're mm-hmm. just like, yeah, let's see what else this episode has to offer. Um, 
but no, I mean, it was it was a very ent- entertaining episode. But that was definitely the best part. It was great. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, a lot happened this week. The, they destroy the bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalan is out of prison and come, makes it to San Francisco and breaks into the Tans residence while uh, Nikki and Henry and and Ryan are are destroying the bell she doesn't know that they're there but then she's trying to kill russell but then stumbles across her ex-boyfriend who's russell's son who she tried to kill who is not dead but she didn't know he wasn't dead and they have a little fight um and her hair looks great but i i think it's i couldn't tell if it was a disguise wig or if she just got like a really good haircut mm-hmm. um but yeah she's looking great she's she's doing fine um <laughs> So they had a little fight and, oh, and Nikki's dad is going to stop working uh, at the dumpling place and, and help out his friend. So he's going to get more involved in like Chinatown in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was Mia's, a weirdly heartbreaking sort of side story. It was, but like also, but he sells it because yeah. he's the best. <laughs> You're like, of course he would want to help. And like, I was like, yeah. It, it, the, the the pathos was so intense in that moment that I thought, oh my God, is he like, it, it felt more like he was divorcing his wife because mm-hmm. she's like, oh my God, I miss him. It's going to be awful. Yeah. And he's going to be, but he's just going to go help. But anyway, it was a very uh, yeah, touching, I, touching moment. It was very touching. I did kind of want him to just stop and go, I mean, honey, if you need help, I'll be like, <laughs> here, it's still Chinatown. <laughs> like I can, I can still come by. But it was, you know, I think it was an important thing to kind of, you know, couples that build something together, but you know, yeah, you want other things. That's good. Um, Oh, Althea is going to become her own boss. Uh So she's doing fine. Um, Obviously uh, the stuff with, with Ryan and Sebastian. um, Evil Sebastian. No, he's not evil. He's obviously (laughs) not evil. He's so supportive and charming and just like, he is very, very attractive. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. All things that I would associate with an evil person. No, you're oh, you're so wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it, what's really surprising is the way that the bell is just, I you know, supposedly Russell's daughter is going to try and rebuild something like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty impressive that like you had a couple episodes and it's just like yeah, they just like mixed up some chemicals and just destroyed it. Like <laughs> bells, bells done with. So I'm curious uh, where that's going to go. And the fact that, um, oh, and the whole thing with Jalan is that, like, she she didn't, like, necessarily make up with her ex-boyfriend. But at the end, he kind of gives her the hint about, like, you know, if you actually want to get back at Russell, like, you need to go for the things he actually cares about. So mm-hmm. he hands over all of the information about the bell and Mia. Mm-hmm. So now, even though Nikki and Jalan didn't run into each other when they were still in the same place, they're both going to be hunting for Mia. Because right. even if Russell rebuilds the bell he still will need mia to make it work got it okay so is my understanding um yeah did i miss anything i just, I just want to clarify russell tan's son is he now in cahoots with mia i don't with mia or with jalan with the good guys no, well, he helped them to to destroy the bell. Yeah, but he's not really in coots with Nikki or with Jalan or with anyone. Like well, he okay. he handed over the information to Jalan because he knows she'll continue going after his dad. He knows he kind of shot his. He's 
my understanding is I feel like this is kind of he's out of the show. Hmm. Like he kind of showed. I'm curious about that. But the way it read to me was like he he had been by like you you end last season thinking he's dead. You find out this season that he's not dead. He's just in a coma. Right. Um, but he's still not happy with his family. Um, so he still kind of wants to get revenge with his dad. And that's when Nikki and Henry are like, hey, here's how we could do it. Because he's got this bell and it doesn't, it's not going to lead anywhere. Great. And that was the whole thing. He didn't know what his dad and his sister were up to. Nikki and Henry are the ones who tell him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, cool, I'll help you get that bell. And that'll be like my revenge. But once that all happens, he knows like his dad's going to figure out how. So his his cover is blown. Like he's got to leave the family. Right, right. So there's no future for him. Like, he's gotten as much revenge. He helped destroy that bell. That is as much revenge as he's going to be able to stick around and get. Mm-hmm. But his last act is also passing the information to Jalan so she can go after Mia. Right. So, I, you know, when he takes off, you know, in his car, like, there, I think unless they need him for plot reasons, I can't, like, more or less, he's done. He's done. All right, all right. Yeah. Um... I don't know. We'll find out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We will find out. We will find there's, out. There's a whole ten episodes left this season. We'll find out that Sebastian is a Russell Tan plant. No, hmm. that's not going to happen. That's an interesting theory, Dustin. It is um, obvious to me that that's we will, what's we will going to happen. We will see if that is true. <laughs> you know, Dustin makes one right one right guess about a show, and right. he just assumes he can, no, he just everyone's assumes he's going to be correct all the time. Yeah, um, and that's Kung Fu Corner. Thank you, Tori. Welcome. Um, this is great. I really, I really should watch this show. You should. I think you really like it. Um, I probably should. Sounds like something I would enjoy. I, you know, it depends. How do you feel about really attractive men with no shirts on? I mean, that sounds great. Right? Yes, me. Yeah. That's how I feel. Um, you know you know what show did not have enough uh, attractive men without shirts on? What show? Was Halo. Oh. Uh, which premiered on Paramount Plus uh, last week. Um, just the first episode was released. Uh, this has been just as a preamble. Uh, Halo's been in development for years. I mean, they've been trying to make... Uh, I think they tried to make a movie for a while, and then they tried to make a... And then even the even this show has been in development for several years. Uh, I think they went through at least two showrunners. Um, Kyle Killen, uh, who created... Oh, wow. Star yeah, and, I love uh, him. And... Uh, uh, what's Awake. Awake. Uh, he, w- he was originally uh, running it, or, you know, part of the part of the process and then he left that makes no and, sense but um, it was uh, they, then they brought in uh, Stephen Kane who has been oh. a working TV writer for a long time and he created The Last Ship uh, most recently so um, so he, he's kind of like the the showrunner on record at least for uh, for that period but like they, they've it's been years as they've been developing this show um, and it was uh, it's already renewed for a second season, I believe, and um, it's it's interesting to watch because it's clearly you know very expensive, uh, and yet there's something they've kind of run into all the it, at least it is only after one episode, but it feels like they've run into uh, the kinds of problems that people were worried about with the Mandalorian, 
um, before the Mandalorian premiered. You know, in terms of like you have a a mostly faceless, you know, character who's supposed to be stoic and kind of you know emotionally shut down, and uh, you know that that means like how do you create uh, that? That's a difficult character to build a a show around because you know you want them to you know you need something to grab into emotionally a baby yoda Uh, yeah and you need a baby yoda and this show's baby yoda is instead a teen girl uh who he who uh master chief saves um but you know by the end of the pilot it's very like they're on the run in a way that like it's like oh this is again like the mandalorian in a lot of ways um but the thing that's missing is it doesn't have um again this is just off the first episode so you know obviously this can change but it's it feels kind of flat and it feels like it just feels like you know big expensive science fiction uh and it doesn't have um versus like you know even even the mandalorian even before you meet baby yoda and before there's like real emotion or, or like you know emotional stakes into uh, into uh, him or anything that's going on, um, it has the it has the tone that like makes and, and like the vibe that that you can kind of enjoy, you know, right. of like you know it feels very very western, very um, you know there's a lot of tension even like in uh, just going back to the first episode of the Mandalorian when he talks to Werner uh, uh, Herzog and like you know there's just a weird presence and a weird tension in the two of them talking right yeah versus this show begins with like we're we're on this this weird planet and all these characters who we don't know yet are just talking about you know they're they're filling in the story they're they're telling us you know oh you know this this outpost is is uh, kind of like a rebel group that's doesn't like um you know doesn't like the uh the the main government which is what the uh uh, Master Chief and the other uh, soldiers are kind of part of, and then the aliens show up and basically kill everybody. And you know, Master Chief and his Spartans come in at the last second, and they they fight off, you know, they they fight off the aliens, but everybody dies except for this one girl. And um, so, so we're we're just in this world where you know it's very there. There's so much the, there's so much that they're building um, that. Uh, and that they're trying to explain that they that that's kind of like all they accomplish in the pilot for a lot of it is just kind of setting up who's who or at least you know who's the good guys who's the bad guys right um and uh and yeah and it's it's i mean i'm not saying it's easy because it's incredibly hard but that feels like um it just feels like it's it's a miss in terms of you know what you'd want from a from a sh- like they're just so far it's it's trying to it's trying to do so much and i think it hasn't found yet what um what people are going to be excited about yeah there's nothing that sets it apart yeah does it have any hope what does it have any hope do you think there's a possibility it'll find it uh i don't know um it will we'll see it seems like um you're gonna stick with it for a little bit anyway i i'll try i mean i do want to keep seeing where it goes um uh but it's 
interesting it's interesting in that like much like the difference between this and the mandalorian and kind of what the mandalorian's missing or sorry what what this show is missing in terms of tone and uh you know building a world that you want to see that you want to spend time in even if you don't know exactly what's going on yet um it i wanted to uh it felt like a big contrast to uh some of the other shows we're going to talk about tonight like uh, atlanta or uh, pachinko where um going specifically to pachinko first um it's uh it's a new apple tv plus uh, i think it's a miniseries based on the book uh following kind of a, a family story across about four generations of korean families um who went from korea to japan to and then the the youngest one is in america um but you know there it seems like a lot of it's going to take place in japan um but like that that show which which i've i haven't read the book but um after the first three episodes even after the first five ten minutes i was in love with this show and um it's a big difference again it's that difference of like the the show fundamentally from a from a drama standpoint is not doing wildly different things like you've seen stories about like you know families struggling before and trying to overcome you know um whether it's war or famine or just their the circumstances of their poverty or things like that um and dealing with you know generational guilt generational trauma all of these things none of it's new but it's so well done and it's so well crafted that you're on board pretty quickly um and it's 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 interesting to me to see that in pachinko where like in halo that's part of you know again it's not doing a story that's necessarily new but that's the thing that's missing is that like the it's that kind of hard to define little essence that is uh that that makes you you know want to keep watching um yeah i love the pachinko myself Mm -hmm. Uh, and i have read the book and um I agree with everything you said, but it was like fascinating to me because I didn't, I didn't know a lot of that. I don't know a lot you of mean the, like the history, the history. Yeah. So okay. it was like revelatory to me mm-hmm. in addition um, to like being a really great story. Right. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm curious to hear, to hear what you think because you've, because you read the book, so you have a ground and I know that there are some things that have changed and, uh, structurally was kind of like one of the big things people have talked about that the the book is very linear whereas this uh the show so far has cut between kind of like the past and the present um much more yeah um i besides that i mean besides the way they're cutting it up i don't i don't recall it being everything that i've seen in the show i think i recall from the book mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember, I didn't even remember that the, the, the book was linear until I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, the, the book itself is just, it's very evocative. It has, you know, it has a lot of, I don't know, scenes that just stick in your brain. And you mm-hmm. see those scenes come to life on television. And I, I, I think it's fantastic. And they it's incredibly well cast. Yeah. Um yeah i mean just just as uh i'm gonna butcher all of these names because i'm not good at uh announcing korean names but we'll 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 do our best um just in you know in the main cast i mean you have uh yoon 
Yu Zhang, who's the who is from uh, uh, what's it called, um, Minari, and uh, the Oscars last night, and the Oscars. That's right. Um, uh, Jin Ha, who was from uh, 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 Devs. Devs and uh, Love Life. Um, he's 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 the main kind of like the main protagonist of the present, um, and uh, uh, they have uh, Min Ho Lee, who is wildly famous in korea and i'm like oh i think i've seen the face before. <laughs> uh uh Sawai, who is from um fast nine uh uh and uh randomly jimmy simpson is like the one american oh, character yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then like perfectly cast as kind of like the uh slightly dirtbag businessman who like his japanese isn't great but you know but he's He's in charge of this office, and he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm running the Japanese office. It's fine. Um, uh, and it's yeah, the everyone is just well cast so far. Um, the uh, uh, the it's it it's a it's a show that kind of like really takes its time. Um, it was besides having you know they had a, a number of Korean American and uh, Korean writers on the staff. Um, it was also directed by um, uh, Koganada, who did uh, Columbus and After Yang, and Justin Chan, who did Blue Bayou, and uh, I'm forgetting the name of his previous movie. But so they had two, you know, Korean directors. Uh, a lot of, I mean, th- they they really, um, I don't know, like like this is this is one of those things where they they clearly put in a ton of time and money, and and it pays off, and you can see it, and you can feel it on screen. Um, and uh, and Dustin loved the uh, the opening credits. Oh my god, the title me. sequence is so good! Like yeah. it's right up. Severance also has like a really really good title sequence, but this mm-hmm. one I love even more. This one reminds me a little of the um, uh, the, the the peace peacekeeper peacemaker. God damn it! Oh right 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 peacemaker peacemaker is that what it was? Yeah yeah where they're doing the 80s dance yes but yeah this one they're all dancing including uh uh the old uh yoon yoo jung yeah who's dancing around and it's incredible <laughs> i just yeah. love it so much yeah so they're they're all so the the pachinko parlor in of the you know of the title is is the one owned by uh jin ha's father um and uh and but like yeah they're they're on that set and they're all just kind of dancing uh to a song that i don't recognize but it seems perfect and um it's just funny because it's also kind of like upbeat and they seem to be enjoying themselves um versus you know a lot of the rest of the show is very dramatic um and uh you know serious um the other thing that that i really enjoyed uh just seeing it was that Again, at least to me, um, you know, this is not, I feel like there are a lot of broad beats that you've seen in a, in a, in a drama or in like a generational drama before about like, you know, the, the struggle of the, of the previous generation to, you know, the, the somewhat like, uh, not purposely disrespectful, but like the, you know, the, the, the more modern generations who are just like, don't care about the past. They just want to, you know, they're just doing whatever they're going after in the present um, but a lot of the small details in this are really what um, uh, made this show exciting to me like um, as an example there's a there's like a tiny moment in 
um, I think it's episode three where uh, Jin Ha suggests to Yun Yu Jung, um, who's his grandmother, he suggests like, oh, why don't we put this urn over here? It'll look better. And she kind of like says, oh no, don't. That's not gonna work. And she moves it. And then when like the uh, the young uh, pastor, yeah, Korean pastor comes and he and he moves it. And she's like, oh, what a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and just like just little uh, little touches like that that feel very um, um, specific to or specific to this family, but also like the kinds of things that I think a lot of uh, families, um, Asian and otherwise, probably will have you can identify and uh, enjoy. I, I just want to mention because I'm like a, a, a hick that uh, I didn't even, before I read the book, I did not know what a pachinko was. But mm-hmm. for those that don't know, it's it's basically like a casino? It's the, it's kind of like, the easiest way to describe it is it's like, it's almost, it's kind of like a pinball machine, but with, it's like if you mix a pinball machine with a slot machine. Because um, it, it's a, a pachinko parlor, it's a, it's a Japanese thing where you go and you sit at these machines, there are these rows of machines, and you 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 know you pay some money you get uh your these little metal balls like ball bearings um and you or like metal marbles and then the machine like you you turn a little dial to kind of fire them off into the machine and they drop down kind of like you're playing plinko and then depending on what they hit or where they land you um either they'll go away or you'll get you'll win more balls to keep playing and uh, if you win enough, then you can trade them back in for prizes. Uh, technically, it's not gambling because they are not supposed to give you money. But oh. I, uh, but I do remember uh, I used to, I, I loved pachinko as a kid, and uh, visiting uh, my relatives in Japan, I always wanted to go play pachinko. <laughs> and I have a distinct memory of um, I, I, so I went with uh, I think my grandfather, and we played, and then. Um, you know, so you leave after we were done. I had, you know, some. I don't know if I had actually won or lost, but I had, you know, balls still. So we turned them in, and I got like a prize. And then my grandfather took the prize and gave me money. And I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I can, I can turn this in and like get the money back." So, suppose I don't know if this is still true, but there used to be apparently there used to be like shops around the corner where you would, you'd like hand them the prize and they'd give you money for it. So that was how it wasn't gambling. Oh wow! Because that was because that was a different store. That wasn't the actual pachinko parlor. But, huh? Um, but anyway, that was uh, yeah. And so that's kind of and so you see the. Um, through that, you're, you kind of see the trajectory of this family because um, Sunja, which is the the, uh, the one that we see in the past and then is uh, played by Yoon Yoo Jung in the present, um, she goes from kind of like being, you know, from like a, a impoverished family who runs like a little boarding house in kind of rural uh, Korea to her son uh, in, by the, by the time you get to the 80s, her son is running... Um, this pachinko parlor and then his son is the one who is like a businessman in america um so yeah, yeah. it's it's a well, you know, uh, it's you also it's see like so far. how i mean it seemed it felt to me anyway like how much things changed in in a relative it was like a 70 year period right right like the huge evolution anyway i love it 
Um, yeah, so I mean, at, at least I'm sure, I feel like anyone who has Apple TV should watch it. Um, it's it's not, it takes its time, but it's never boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's really beautifully made. Um, much like the, sh- the next show we're going to talk about, Atlanta. And how were you going to tie Halo to Atlanta? Oh, uh, never mind that. We, we did the, <laughs> only in the sense of, of you know that again, um, just the idea that there's a there's a confidence that that shows like Atlanta or Pachinko have that you know you even when you don't know what's going on, you are uh, your um, you know your you can tell that you're in good hands, or in Severance. I mean, the same thing with Severance too, where uh, you know it's it. There's just that you can you can kind of feel it, and it's. I wish I had a I had better language for it than that, but um, you can you can feel when the show is, um, you know, making you feel a certain thing, and mm-hmm. even if you recognize it, you're still swept up in it. And I think that's the thing that's missing from Halo versus Pachinko or Atlanta. And sorry, before we fully move to Atlanta, one last thing that I wanted to note about Pachinko, which I thought was really smart, and I don't know if other shows have done this before, but I haven't seen it, was that um, they very specifically put, because the characters are mostly speaking either Korean or Japanese, um, they've specifically put Korean in, uh, I think it's is it green, and then Japanese in blue. Um, the subtitles are two different colors. Oh, so oh, that, that's, so you, that explains that. All right. So you can tell, and the reason for that is that because um, because this is a Korean family that moved to Japan, um, they speak both. And um, I mean, obviously, if you know the difference between the two languages, you can tell what they're speaking. But um, if you don't know, or if it if it goes, sometimes they mix in like Japanese words in with the Korean. Um, so you know, it's it's done that way so that when you're looking at it, you can see like, oh they're speaking in Korean, except this one word is Japanese or this one word is Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then, they, and then for this next conversation, they've switched to Japanese or they switch back or whatever. And it's, um, it's just a really nice, uh, uh, reminder of how the, um, of, you know, kind of the cultural lines that they're, that they're walking, because I think, um, I think if you have no idea, it might be, you know, you might not make the distinction all the time. Um, but but that distinction is important because of the the subject matter, the time period, the fact mm-hmm. that Koreans were uh, you know uh, subjugated by the Japanese for decades. So um, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to Atlanta. Um, I just want to point out with Atlanta that um, uh, I, I opened up Hulu and I pressed play, not thinking, and I haven't seen yet, the show hadn't been on in years. So I press play and it's going and I didn't realize that I was watching the pilot episode <laughs> for, for several minutes. But I, right. but uh, in the pilot episode, the opening, uh, um, Donald Glover's character, um, Ern, is talking about having a dream where he's in a lake and hands are pulling him under. So... That happened, and then I went to the actual episode, and it opens with them on a lake, and at the end, that character is being pulled under. 
So I, I that, did not realize that. Yeah, so um, I thought that was fascinating. That it, I mean, that's yeah, that's clearly him saying like, well, we're going to retell this story, but we're going to show you this time with mm-hmm. two random people who you have not met before and probably will never meet again. Right. <laughs> um, and well, that's interesting because that. So so here's the question. So so just to set up, uh, Atlanta has been off the air for, I think four years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I believe is the, is the last time we've we were uh, in this world, um, and the first episode does not have any of our main cast except until the very end when Ern uh, wakes up, and that's basically the end of the first episode. Um, so instead, we we're in this story where first we are watching kind of a version of that story that, that he described in the pilot, uh, which I didn't remember. Um, and then the rest of the episode, we're following this uh, this uh, child. He's probably, what, maybe like 10 to 12-ish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, this kid who uh, we don't know, we don't know any of the people in the story, but who kind of ends up in a nightmarish foster care with two white women who... Uh, it, it goes horribly wrong <laughs> and they it is uh it by the way uh brian wrote a, a great recap of it uh on uh, pajaba.com you should read that um but it is based on i guess a real story of of these uh foster parents who who killed their foster kids um but wait uh, wait it's it, based on a real story it is based on a well, clearly, Dustin. Don't you read your? No, I did. I did. I edited it, but I somehow it's, that slipped me. It's I. I, I believe no, no, it's based I knew. On, or, or I mean, the, it's not officially, but there, there is a real story that this is similar enough to that they're probably okay. inspired by it. But um, the, I, I saw that the, the the lake, the town that had been uh, buried, like right. drowned. That was true. Right. That's also based on a true story, right? Um. Yeah, this so, whole story felt like something in in the Jordan Peele universe. Yeah, um, but uh, anyway, with with all of that, it ends up being, um, it ends up being this this weird, you know, side episode that, uh, and then and then we come to the end where, uh, Ern wakes up in bed. He's in Europe, um, and uh, and it's so so. The question is like, is this all his dream? Because considering the way that he, you know, uh, the fact that this is uh, that the the opening part of it is uh, calls back to the pilot mm-hmm. and talking about that as a dream. Like, does that mean that this whole first episode is his dream, or is it uh, is it just them being like, we're gonna just tell a crazy story? Yeah, I couldn't really tell either, but I yeah, <laughs> it's a crazy story. Oh, the fried chicken! Oh God. Oh yeah, one of the one of the many cringy, horror, horrifying things that happened was that the the two, uh, the the women who adopted all of these uh, black children, uh, they decided to make fried chicken, but to make it healthier, they would microwave it. But they would <laughs> so just it was, dip it in flour and then stick right, it in the microwave. Right. Oh. So it was drumsticks oh. dusted in flour and then microwaved. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and then the second episode takes us to uh, you know kind of like again a very Atlanta esque bizarre adventure where uh, Ern is mostly you know trying to track down 
uh, Paperboy and tried to. Turns out he's in jail. He has to get him out of jail. They have to do there. There's a uh, because they're in Amsterdam and there's a real uh, there. There's a real Christmas based or holiday based. Yeah, sorts of Pete. That but I, has a character who is in blackface, so they're dealing with that for a lot well, of the episode. When I met my wife, she had just uh, spent six months in Amsterdam, and, and that was like one of the first things she told me about was Schwartz of Pete. And I was like, what? What? That is insane. But yes, it's basically a blackface Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> when Ern was like, Ern was like, uh, um, no, that just sounds like uh, Santa Claus's slave, but uh, I respect the rebranding. <laughs> um, but also, they found a way in like a, in in kind of like the the way that like a like an episode of like, I, again, I mean, you know, not that uh, uh, Donald Glover has done this before, where something that feels just like a joke or feels like a bizarre thing that you know you're you're just gonna ignore or it's just going to have this one layer and it comes back into play at the end when uh after after uh paperboy bails on on the concert that he's going to play because everyone there is in blackface so of course he's like i'm not going to perform oh, no. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the the promoter uh the show promoter who's like mad at Ern is like i'm gonna beat you up and starts chasing him and then he goes out and he's looking for him in the lobby and he, everyone's in blackface. So he finds one guy in blackface, and he just kind of stares at him for a second. And he starts, and he punches him because he thinks he's Ern. And, uh, and, and as he's well. as he's fighting him, then Ern kind of like you see him like from down the down the stairs, and he just kind of watches it, and you can kind of see it register on his face, like, oh, the racism worked in my favor here. <laughs> and then he takes off. Um, but then and, the other uh, part with Darius, mm-hmm. Darius yeah. and Van. Oh my god. Uh, Oh my they, god! <laughs> they end up on a on a very what what feels like at first an innocent, weird uh, adventure where they just kind of run into these strange people and they end up at someone's uh, at, at, with a death doula who's like kind of going to oversee the the passage of this one person who Darius says is Tupac, <laughs> uh, and uh, and, uh, and and then you get to the point where they're like, oh, it's time to say goodbye and they start saying Holy goodbye. Shit. It's a love it's a lovely moment. They're like, oh, I guess he's gonna die now. And then they hit a button and <laughs> this this contraption slams down on top of the guy's face and it like covers his face with plastic so he can't breathe. And then you uh, see him suffocate to death. In in everyone is just silent except for just this guy struggling against like, the plastic the trying to breathe. Uh, and their their uh, Van and Darius's adventure comes to a shocking and, um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just such a it, again it's it's good to have it back because there's there's no show that does these kinds of turns like this. And I have to mention because I wrote about this today. Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to ask about this. Uh, um, uh, um, Darius and Van are talking about. Well, Darius is like, have you seen the trailer for Food Fight? And she's like, no. And he's like, it's really intense. So I, and I didn't know I didn't know what the fuck that was. So I looked it up, and it's an actual movie, and it's completely insane. It was uh, uh like it's an animated film where uh that started they started developing it in '99, and they were doing 
CGI animation before it was very good, but then all of the all of the um, the hard drives got stolen, and then they changed it to motion capture. But it looks like they sort of combined it, and it's like this really it's the ugliest animation you'll ever see. And the voice cast is like Charlie Sheen and Hilary Duff and Christopher Lloyd, and then the characters include Charlie Tuna and the Twinkie guy. And uh, you mean like the actual characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actual, the like real product placements, right? Uh, because they're and uh, Aunt Jemima, Edie McClurg from Ferris Bueller plays oh. Aunt Jemima. <laughs> oh, no, no, not Aunt Jemima, the other one, uh, Mrs. They, Butterworth, Mrs. Butterworth. Yes, thank you. Uh, and it's just the gro- the weirdest, most fucked up trailer I've ever seen, and and and. I kept watching it over and over. I thought that FX maybe had created this as a joke, mm-hmm. but then I had to look it up to make sure that it was real and it is real and it's known as like one of the worst movies of all time and I'd never heard of this movie. Anyway, watch the trailer if you haven't. It will blow your mind. Uh, I did watch the trailer after uh, you wrote about it, Dustin, and um, it's terrifying. It is. Stuff, it's the stuff of nightmares. It really is. <laughs> and apparently there's like Nazi iconic, uh, iconography. I can't say that word. Iconography. Thank you. I've had a lot of wine. <laughs> All in the movie, apparently. Um, cool. That's super And it cool. took like 13 years for it to get go direct to DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At a certain point, don't like just give up. <laughs> like, why would you bother releasing it if it's been that long? But like, and the guy who directed it, he's like um, a producer on the Mortal Kombat franchise. Mm. And then I looked him up, and he had made a movie two years ago, uh, a bobblehead movie, which featured Cher, which I think also went direct to video, or whatever we call it now, direct to digital now. Yeah. I don't know. This is just insane. And I have no idea why they referenced this in Atlanta, but it was hilarious. That definitely feels like one of those things that, you know, someone uh, someone brings up and they're like, everyone has to see this. And yes. The whole, all the writers watch it and they're like, okay, we got to figure out, like, just, <laughs> just some random joke. Yeah. Just throw it in somewhere. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Uh, anyway, that's Atlanta. Because, Tor- Tori, you don't watch Atlanta, right? Um, no, I... Or you haven't seen these episodes? I haven't seen these episodes. Okay. Um, well, you should. I uh, know. I gotta catch up. Also, because us describing it, it does not matter. It we doesn't, can spoil yeah. the whole thing, and you just you, you can still it's watch still it. Like, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I it just feels like on an, even as good as it was, it feels like on another level already. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but we should move on to something that that Tori's seen, um, like Severance. I did watch that. Yeah. Uh, so. Last week was episode seven of, uh, I think it's nine in this season. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I believe there's two. There are two two episodes left after this, and things are really coming together. They're accelerating um, in a dangerous way. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's always tough to to talk about it without spoiling everything. So we're going to spoil everything. But um, I don't know. What did you, what did you guys think, Tori or Dustin? Either one. 
There's Whoever. a lot of dancing this episode. There is a lot it of dancing. It's great, though. Creepy, creepy-ass dancing. Right. But well, also hilarious. It was slightly, you know, intimidating dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have a dance break. I mean, to, to think that these people have never, they get, like, five minutes of music every year in their lives because they're, like, this is their life. And it's, like, a shitty jazz song that they get to sort of dance to. But, it, you know, and this is where the show kind of works on a couple of levels. Like, on the one hand, it's, you know, it's its own sort of insular specific dystopia. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, when you work in an office and management decides that, like, oh, the way we're going to treat you like humans is to, like, you know, give you bagel Fridays or, like, once right. a month there will be some... You know, we'll have like a little mini concert or you know, whatever. Like they, they always come up with these th- these experiences, right? To try and like you know, as, as if that is the the solution or the reward for workers, right? So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of extending that that general management style to its most ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, conclusion. But I like that Severance includes that. Yeah, and does this uh, feel real? At all to like the, I I only worked in an office for like two years, but it's a. I mean, you don't get exactly that, but it's you get things that are. It's not that. It's not. I mean, it's it's appropriately real for. It feels appropriately real for like what this uh, place is. Right. right. Um, like I mean, I I, I remember working at places where, uh, I, I worked at a at a game company many many years ago where um besides like you know if we were there super late they would feed us you know because then they can keep us there longer and stuff like that but um but there was also like i feel like once a month i think it was once a month there was like a larping day (laughs) what where they would they would bust out like all the foam weapons and we would go out on the or you you didn't have to do it but like if you wanted to you could go out on the lawn and like beat each other up with like nerf swords and stuff yeah and like a lot of people loved it. Like they're like, "Oh, it's LARP day!" And like, what is happening? That does sound kind of fun. <laughs> it does, right? And I mean, it's not that it's not fun, but it's also just like it's absurd that it's like you're you're vastly overworking us, and we're all exhausted. But we're kind of going to ignore that because uh, we get to, to hit, hit each, each other, other with, with foam, foam swords. Up. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They. Uh, I worked in an office that would occasionally um, they they would do these like. And it was it was both their chance to give employees a break, but it was also their like nod to diversity. So oh, they no. would do these like cultural days, like events <laughs> that would they would pick um, different you know holidays from different cultures, and then they would which you know, and they would just it was like okay, so we'll have events for this like three hour period, and there will be food and you know giveaways and stuff and just leave your office and go upstairs to the they had sort of an auditorium area and that's where this was all staged and so you know about once a month there would be some other you know they would pick a a holiday to celebrate um and there was a whole cultural committee that would do it and um and of course, everyone went because it was a chance to get out of your office, right, right, and eat some like food, you know. But it was uh, sometimes it, it was a little awkward. Mm. <laughs> it's, 
Sometimes it's just a little awkward. We also had a guy who uh, would walk around. Uh, he'd pick a day around Christmas, and he would put on a Santa hat and uh, wear an accordion, and he would walk through every floor of the office playing his accordion. Oh, my God. I don't know if that counts. Nobody danced to it, but it was like that was his yearly tradition, was serenading like a 30-floor office building. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. With That's, an accordion. That seems reasonable. So, um, anyway, yeah, severance is specific, but it's mm-hmm. inspired by some management styles. Yeah. Um, just to, we keep talking around it, but the uh, the music dance experience, which uh, – I believe Helly is awarded, right? Because yes. uh, because she's been doing so well, uh, but clearly is you know the the whole department has been kind of uh, acting up, and so this is them trying to appease them a little bit, and uh, and she chooses Defiant Jazz, which they all dance to, <laughs> but but in particular uh, Trammell Tillman, uh, who's amazing as so he, good. He's just like he he. You're right, Dustin. That he definitely looks like as as you know entertaining and like into the dancing he is he also looks unhinged and like increasingly unhinged as he kind of uh uh dances near uh uh, dylan dylan who you know who still you know struggling with the knowledge that he has a kid is then snaps and bites him and kind of ends the uh, ends the fun (laughs) yeah i mean this is the episode where all of the characters kind of find their reasons to officially kind kind of uh, rebel right yeah like they're they kind of unite in that and so it you kind of knew that hilly obviously was in that mindset the whole time mm-hmm. mark has been waffling with it right uh but you kind of thought that dylan and irving were the two that wouldn't mm-hmm. like they were the most you know uh for dylan it was like he always got the rewards that he needed right and and irving was just a company man and right. so you really this episode is is what pushes those two over and one is yeah it's uh dylan struggling with the knowledge that like they can wake him up when he's at home and now he knows he has a kid but he doesn't know the kid's name and and, right. and he shares that information to his team and right. then the flip side is the they they've come into the office they find out that the door is locked um, that, so they don't have free range anymore, mm-hmm. except that Mark has the security, the dead security officer's key card. Right. So he has a way out that Milchek and, and uh, Harmony don't know about. Right. Um, so Irving takes that opportunity to go see Bert uh, with the design team and mm-hmm. walks in and finds out that Milchek is also staging a retirement party for Bert. Right. Right. And that uh, leads to a wonderful scene where Torturo is just like, you know, you smug motherfucker, you know, and just breaks. So good. He's, yeah. he's absolutely like stunning in this scene. And it's really the breakdown of like, um, it's not, you know, it's he's passionate because of his feelings for Bert. But it's also that recognition of like, you know, you can call this a retirement, but it is the death of this the in the any version right. of Bert. Right, right. You know, like that version will be no more. Mm-hmm. And the outside version will have no memory of anything that happened inside the office. Right. So it's you but know like it's crushing, great. yeah. 
you know, it's horrible. And, and it's them celebrating with like, you know, melon balls and stuff, right. you know. So and it's, it, yeah. Oh, and I was just going to say, it's also punctuated by the fact that we get this great uh, rambly uh, thank you speech from uh, Bert's Audi. So you get Christopher Walken recorded on a screen and talking about how, like, it's been so great working with all of you. Not that I remember or even know who any of you are, but I'm sure I had a great time. And thank you for treating me so well, I assume. Or, you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's like every every statement that he makes, even if it was genuine, which it doesn't sound particularly genuine, but like even if it were, has to be qualified because he has a, he doesn't actually have an idea of whether or not anything he's saying is true. Yeah, there's one line about like, I'm sure you've left an indelible mark on me, even if I don't know what that mark is, because I don't remember or something like that. Like, I'm sure it's I'm sure yeah. it's there. But deep down somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. So it's it's oh. and you know, and again, this is like Irving finding out that like the much the way that that dance party was to to appease his team to try and make them feel recognized, but also mm-hmm. to, to quell them. Right. You know, this was Bert is has been causing trouble, so we're going to force him into retirement, but it'll make the team feel like, oh, they are being, they, you know, they're celebrated, the company values them, whatever. Right. So it's 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 calculated. And uh, and so, yeah, so Irving kind of comes back and he's on he's ready to burn the place down because mm-hmm. all of this goes against his, you know, what he believes uh, you know the founder's message or whatever right um and then the uh, heli and, and mark go and try and find the the controls to to switch people on outside right so that seems that their plan is moving in that direction uh and then you get the the big reveal at the end is that uh and you kind of there's a hint early on because oh also yeah patricia arquette's character harmony is pretending she's continuing with her ruse of being a nursing uh instructor oh right to help devin uh mark's sister and she makes a comment about like does mark ever think he sees his wife Hmm. i i'm starting to buy into your theory that she's on Mark's side somehow. Yeah, like there's something going on. Or is she trying to cover up because she knows? Because, so the reveal is, yeah, Mark's wife isn't dead, it's Ms. Casey. Mm -hmm. uh, The wellness, like the therapist uh, played by Deacon Lachman. So like, you... And so, yeah, I'm still waffling. I'm like, I can't tell why if if she's obsessed with Mark because they've the company has gotten so involved in his life. Right. Or, you know, and she's just trying to make sure he doesn't figure it out. Or is she actually on his side? Right. Um, I don't I mean, I still I don't understand how Audi Mark doesn't know. I mean, why does he think she's dead? Well, well, you saw like there was there was a car accident, the tree. Like he can go to the spot where she supposedly died. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But this is company she, wouldn't is she permanently an any? Well, and that's yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And one thing that that is interesting is that um, her uh, because her it's hard to say if it's just like it it, it can it could just be the fact that she's supposed to be kind of like the therapist so. 
that's why she presents as like calm all the time except for when she's leaving the the break room in that one yeah. scene that we saw but because of that uh like it feels like that could be masking some version of that like that she's um not lobotomized but you know essentially like like that her her version of being severed is different or maybe it's permanent or maybe it's some you know it's 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 almost like maybe that was an early version of it because that was a couple of years ago right and um, does that tie into whatever they're revealing about the the senator's wife mm-hmm. that uh that Devin met at the kind of birthing uh right. place because there's there's clearly like that woman was severed and it seems to be like severed in a way where she doesn't have to experience childbirth. Right. Right. So the painful things, a different version of her experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It could be a test thing. Like maybe she was brain dead and they used her as a, as right, a test, as a test subject, yeah. as a test subject. And they were able to bring her back, but in a very limited capacity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Mm pretty screwed up though it is yeah i also appreciated that they've kind of been teasing that it would be heli and it wasn't like i don't and it it's a nice payoff for like why would you hire uh dykin lachman for that role until it's like where it seems so minor it's like oh right. no it's because she's actually like really important right <laughs> but you also think back like how how mark how much he seemed invested when she was in the break room and how he like seemed to care, and that the little interaction where they're crossing paths, going to the yeah. break room. Oh right, right. And right. he says like, "Sorry." Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, it's loaded now. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting show to go back and rewatch once we know what's happening. Mm. Oh man, I love the show so much, and I'm I really do hope that there's more seasons involved. Yeah. But it seems to be burning plot very quickly now, and I'm not sure that that it's not just a one season or show. Yeah. Mm. We'll find well, out soon. We'll find out soon. Two episodes left. You smug motherfucker. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god! Like I literally, I shivered. It was so good. <laughs> oh fucking Tartaro. Speaking of uh, smug motherfuckers, oh, here we go. Here it's we time go. for the finale of uh, the fiscal first quarter categorization challenge. Oh. All month, we have been trying to decide what show we will watch, uh, probably in July, uh, when in theory TV is slower. Ha ha ha. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we're down to the finals. Uh, it is. Uh, for, on one side, we've got Ducktales, which uh, just really just to just to, <laughs> just to go path, go through the path they took, uh, defeated Heels, uh, pushing Daisies, Ugh, uh, don't Hitch, remind me, and justified in a shocking upset. <laughs> uh, because a we shocking, all, it no, was shocking. Call, this we is all calling, fully Dan. This we is all calling, fully Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we're all saying that Justified was going to steamroll everybody, and you know Ducktales. Uh, came through because end. of you. Who can say what happened? Two, two. <laughs> remember, two is unanimous. That's the way it works here. Uh, and they're going up against uh, a show that I'm, I'm genuinely surprised made it. Uh, Clone High, 
which uh, defeated the Resident, uh, the Mighty Boosh, Felicity, and Attack on Titan. Uh, like, probably like, an easier path, to be honest. But uh, but you know the Mighty Boosh. It was Boosh like the Saint Peters of uh, <laughs> this bracket. The Mighty Boosh and Felicity, two two powerhouses, uh, and and the Resident, Dustin's favorite medical drama. Right. So uh-huh, uh-huh. he could have walked us through that. He could have. Um, so here we are, the the finals. Uh, what show are we gonna watch in July? <laughs> Did you see the Razorbacks go out like Felicity over the weekend? My my team, the Arkansas Razorbacks, just like went down to Duke. Whatever you guys don't clearly don't pay attention to basketball. So- to the actual trying, March Madness, yes. Are you trying to make a CW show metaphor for, like, analogy yes. to sports? Normally <laughs> they make team. sports analogies about television shows. Right. But, so my, is- my team made it to the Elite Eight, the Arkansas Razorbacks, which is my alma mater, and then they lost to Duke, which is basically uh, the, uh, I guess, the Clone High? What? Um, no. No. Except Duke, everybody hates Duke. Yeah, that doesn't right. work. And Clone High, I'm rooting for. Except <laughs> well, don't give that it away. It, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying I was rooting for it except for the fact that it went against Felicity. Mm-hmm. You know what show didn't beat Felicity? DuckTales. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> Technically. Just but DuckTales is, yeah, well, I don't know if Duck, Clone High is more like the St. Peter's. St. Peter's was like the team that. No one were, expected. Yes. Or had heard of. Right, exactly. Like a nothing team from New Jersey that just kept out skiing itself mm-hmm. until it ran up against North Carolina, which was like an eight seed. Whatever. I don't know. Oh, you're still talking about sports. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm trying to tie it in. All right. So so here's a question. Um, Dustin, you haven't seen either DuckTales or Clone High. No, but I do want to see Clone High. Right. But 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 I'm just, I'm just that's neither here nor there. And yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm going to see DuckTales no matter what. So whatever. I would. I mean, it doesn't sound that way. Tori, no, no, you've no, seen no, all I, of DuckTales. I've seen all of DuckTales. Okay. So I've seen all of Clone High and a couple of episodes of DuckTales. Okay. So I'm just trying to figure out what, because part of it is like, what's the, what's the most efficient thing? Like, you no, know. I feel like whether or not DuckTales wins, it's inevitable. I'm going to have to watch DuckTales. Why do you say life. that? Because it's like, it's like the recurring motif of this podcast and my life. <laughs> No, it's just me. You Dustin. must watch DuckTales. No. no, it feels like it's around every corner for me. But who like else DuckTales. makes you? You still haven't watched it. Your kids I know. I, like I it. understand. Why haven't you watched it? I don't know. I don't have. So I love the people, cast. Other people in your life <laughs> yell at you about DuckTales. There's everything I should love about it, except for the fact that it's animated. I just don't like animated shows. Dustin, does it make your life feel like a hurricane? <laughs> um so i so that's interesting because my argument about this was actually i was going to say that you know look the reality is you guys will anyway well no i'm yeah like i'm gonna you could just rip the band-aid off and watch it now and i'll stop 
harassing you about it. Like the way to stop having this like shouted at you from the rooftops is to just give in. Oh, that's true. So I, I hear that, but I also feel the same about Clone High. Like all of the people involved in Clone High are people that I love. And I understand. Another and season is coming. I really want to watch Clone High. And if we watch Clone High, I'll be really happy. I'll be satisfied. I'm going to enjoy it. How many and episodes I'm of DuckTales are there? still going to yell at you about DuckTales. <laughs> How many episodes <laughs> of DuckTales are there? Uh, there are three seasons. Um, uh, so I would be picking randomly across all of them. They're probably like 60 total-ish, something like that. Oh, shit. Um, eh, yeah. Yeah, about that. 69. And, and when we're talking about DuckTales, we're not talking about the original Old, no we're talking just we're about, the, talking about the, just the tenant one not the movie yeah not just the movie the, which i definitely saw in theaters it was great yeah the Wait, yeah there's a movie oh yeah it, based on the original cartoon it was yeah, yeah with the lamp oh but it's not the tenant tenant's not involved no it's no. not the tenant okay. one um let me ask you something then about clone high um do you learn anything historical from it like actual historical information <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking because um, I'm going to watch either one of these. I'm going to end up watching with my kids. And I'm just curious. Uh, any not, educational value whatsoever? Mm, I'm going to say no. Okay. Unless unless it the, the way that it would, uh, the way that it could be educational is if you were to watch it and then be like, who is that? Like, oh, who's George Washington Carver? And why is he, does he have a talking peanut friend? And then you go oh. research it, and you'd be like, "Oh, here's some stuff about George Washington Carver and peanuts." No, see, the, uh, I have ten year olds. I would definitely pause it and explain that to them. But, but if it's, but in terms of like the actual show and like what you learn, um, no. <laughs> like, but like it's like as an example, characters uh, are historical figures, uh, though, right? They are historical figures, but I, I would say that. The, the most you're going to get out of it is the introduction to them as, like, people you could then learn about. Okay. Uh, because uh, just as an example, Lincoln, like, your, your lead is uh, Abraham Lincoln. He's very kind of, like, awkward and nerdy, which I guess is fine. Um, his best friend is Gandhi. Gandhi's, like, a total, like, horn, horn dog and just wants to, like, party. Um uh jfk is is like the jock uh cleopatra is like the attractive uh hot one that everybody is in love with uh oh joan of arc is uh is kind of like emo gothy um there are others that i'm blanking on right now okay um (laughs) how many episodes of clone high are there 13 I still feel like this is not really my decision. I feel like Dan is still making the decision. <laughs> yeah, he is. I'm just curious because I, I, I am... Look, for me, since I'm the one who's, who has seen some of both, I feel like I'm I'm kind of trying to decide it in terms of like what would be best for the podcast, you know? Yeah. Justified. Well, Justified is has been well, eliminated. You, you so. already... Ruin that. We can always watch Justified at a future time. It doesn't yeah. have to win a win a tournament mm-hmm. for that. But look, look, I I don't know. Whatever. I I feel like 
There's 13 episodes of Clone High. And look, you guys, we're going to pick one no matter what. And But August is a long month. And there's 13 episodes of Clone High, and they're half an hour. And if Tori can pick 13 episodes of DuckTales, I feel like I can do both. I've already got a bunch of episodes. I, I've already started coming up with the plan if we were to do DuckTales. And, and, and I'm just saying, I don't feel like Clone High is enough for the month. Because they're probably not even 30 minutes. They're probably 20-minute episodes, right? Yeah, they're probably like 22, 23. Right. But... And I, if we if we watch two shows that what was the point of no 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 no. No. we're definitely going to pick a winner but i'm just saying just for the just really taking the wind out of my no no i'm just saying just from the purposes of getting this over with for me so that i don't have to deal with either one of these shows anymore no but then we, I won't be able to assign as many episodes. Oh, I see. I see. If we're right. sharing. I mean, okay. that's fine. I can pick a handful of the whatever. It's fine. Are we are we declaring a tie or what? No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. We are definitely going to pick a winner. <laughs> but are we, do we want to just, should we resurrect the wild card? If the wild card <laughs> is justified. I mean, it could be if you pick it. I don't, I don't think there's any other show that would even rate at this point other than justified i was gonna i was gonna bring back pushing daisies i still i thought think. i thought you would bring back felicity but i guess not felicity's got no hope with you two i've given up <laughs> all right okay so here's like a, so you a would 19 vote year old high. girl from 1999 to vote with me oh my god so either way you're open to watching both but you would vote clone high uh, yes. And I do feel like I'm going to watch Clone High between now and then either way. But wait, no, you can't watch it early. Yeah. What's well, the okay. Point of that? Whatever. I, I, I mean, I then. What, Dustin? You're no, just... no, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean, I will watch it. I will, we're finishing up Gravity Falls and I feel like at some point my kids are going to love DuckTales or they're going to love Clone High. Mm-hmm. And either one, it's going to be like, a fun experience for me as a dad. So I really don't have anything against either one. I think DuckTales is the easier sell. I'm shocked that you say that. To my kids. For me. Oh, to your kids. Oh. For me, it's Clone High. So, I mean, should we invite your kids on? Like, I don't understand <laughs> no. who I'm supposed to be pitching You're pitching to, to Dan. <sighs> but Dan's going to want Clone High. I don't I mean, think so. I've, He's a seen it all. I've seen all of Clone High multiple times. I know. Look, um, Clone High means multiple times. Oh yeah. Yeah, he loves it. Do you love? And you love Clone High. Yeah. Why do you love it? Um, there are many reasons. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you asked us. Um, so it's the. I've heard everything has, about what it's about, but I've never really understood why you love it. It has uh, similar. It, it's even though Bill Lawrence is not the sole uh, creative voice behind it, it has it kind of combines like the zaniness of Lord and Miller with like it still has a little bit of like Bill Lawrencey heart in it. Not not as much as like Scrubs or Ted Lasso, but um, you know it's still there, kind of like in the the way that they make you care about the characters. 
Uh, it's mm. definitely kind of an insane show. Uh, I love the opening, uh, the opening song, which is by a uh, a band, um, which is actually kind of like a solo artist, but he plays under the band name Abandoned Pools, um, which. Uh, there, I think he has a new album coming out maybe this year, which I definitely paid into the Kickstarter for. Uh, and um, it's also so like a lot of the music I really like. Uh, there's kind of like a nostalgia to it. I'm sure that's part of it. Um, it it has uh, it has kind of like all of the angst and drama of like a of like a high school drama, but like wrapped in like this weird cartoon. Um, it has uh, the voice cast is great. Um, oh, also uh, that was the show that I that I where I uh, first discovered Abandoned Pools, and then Abandoned Pools would later show up in uh, one of their songs would end up showing up in an episode of Love Monkey. Weirdly, oh. <laughs> so, so there's also a weird Love Monkey tie-in, um, and yeah, I don't know. Just fundamentally, it's just it's just one of those shows that. There, there are a few shows that really stick with me where they only go one season and it feels like they're just scratching the surface of what they could do. And Clone High is one of them. And so that's that's one of the reasons why. Like, much in the way that, like, I will always fight for, like, The Class because that's another show that I think was just getting started and just never, you know, obviously didn't go beyond a, a, uh, one season. Um, so, uh, yeah. But uh, that being said... I have seen it many times, and and I I need no prompting to watch it. So, I think the that fact entails... that you watched it many times is is probably the thing that's going to sell me the most. I'm like, okay, so it is clearly your decision now. Well, nobody's <laughs> asked me how many times I've seen Ducktales. I know <laughs> how many. I know so, how much you love Ducktales. I love. Yeah, I know. But I, I have. Should I explain why? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I think that it is very interesting to watch in terms of, especially in, in an era where we tend to deal with a lot of nostalgia and remakes of things. Um, and part of it does involve knowing a bit about the, the original series, like certain, the way that characters have been updated, <laughs> things like, uh, how they approach Gizmo Duck and Darkwing Duck and things like that is for, for people who you know if you're a kid and this is your first exposure that's great if you are an adult who remembers how those characters were introduced when you were kids it's interesting to see this new take on them but it also stands on its own and i really appreciate the way that uh there are these overarching storylines um that are kind of more involved than you'd expect from a a kind of kids cartoon that feels very much like a Saturday morning or like a, you know, an afternoon after school kind of cartoon. Um, there's reveals around like, uh, the stuff that happens with the, tw- the triplets, mom, Della, the, the way that foul as an evil organization, uh, is seeded throughout and then comes to prominence in the last season. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, really good messages, uh, obviously, the way that cartoons tend to have, but often, but the characters themselves are not, are very imperfect. And so it's, it's interesting seeing, uh, like, Louie being selfish or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, it is such a well-constructed show. 
and I and that's part of it is like it is a kids show but it's so well done on a lot of different levels and I I you know I, I, mean, I think I, it might no. surprise you no 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 I think I think and I've got should I tell you some of the show the episodes I would watch sure all right I mean the premiere obviously Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to watch Last Christmas, which is the one, uh, where they, Dewey and Scrooge, uh, do a bit of a, you know, ghosts of Christmas past and, you know, present, whatever. But it's, it ultimately is like a, literally a Doctor Who episode, Mm -hmm. um, which makes it kind of funny. Um, I would really want to watch the Double O Duck one, which is where Launchpad thinks that he like kind of does a whole, uh, James Bond riff. Um, and that's, I think that one has Jason Mantzoukas in it. Um, the quack pack one, uh, is a really great throwback. The duck Knight returns, which is my all, my favorite episode of the whole thing, which is a perfect Darkwing duck, um, riff. There's time foon, which, uh, there's literally like a tub time machine involved. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I would probably watch. I would I would try to balance it between overarching story stuff so you get some of it, but also just really solid, like the fun one-off character adventure things. Um, I'm still, I was still in the process of trying to, f- you know, flesh out how much of that would be about Magicka or, um, you know, do we do we do a deep dive on the Della storyline and the moon people or, you know, do we... Or do we do just a whole week of Glom Glom Gold? I have the Glom Tales episode um, down, which is where they, he kind of takes over. So, uh, yeah, I'm, there's a lot. There's a lot of you know. We can do one-offs. We can do story, you know, plot-driven. I don't know. I feel like this is like with me anyway. It's like I feel like my kids would probably like Clone High better, but my wife would prefer because she's got a monster crush on David Tennant she'd probably prefer DuckTales but then my kids would probably like both of them ultimately but maybe Clone High more or maybe not I don't know Dan you make the decision here (laughs) well this is what I was trying to avoid (laughs) (laughs) you were trying to get one of us to flip Yes, because I feel like uh, I feel like it's a real it's a real uh, uh, this is this is going to define whether or not I'm a villain or not for the next batch of episodes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Because I feel like you should be a villain. I feel like choosing Clone High makes me a villain. No, mm. I um, mean I'm look. I think that you and I can both appreciate the fact that I I didn't expect Ducktales to make it this far. You didn't expect Clone High to make it this far. Yeah, don't I think make it should, easy for him, Tori. <laughs> I think that we should just be really happy that we got here. And I mean, just because I'm never going to let you live it down, it right. doesn't mean that Thank you. you know you're evil. That's true. That's 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 a fair way to put it. Um. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm gonna have to stick with Clone High. That's okay. Oh, shit, that that makes me the villain. Yeah. <laughs> Why does yeah, that make you? Yeah, because you could have just voted for Ducktales. 
Yeah. But it's okay because now we'll watch Kung like, High uh, and I'll just keep badgering you to watch DuckTales. Yeah. This was your chance. You could have just took the Band-Aid off. It, it does. It does feel appropriate that Ducktales will continue to be unwatched by Dustin. There's, there is something actually kind of. There's a continuity nice there. Yeah. 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 Um, High is also going to let us talk so much more about Love Buggy. So, it's also, also a benefit. I feel like I, I'm, I'm going to vote for Clone High, but I feel like I still want Tori's uh, list, so that I can watch. No. It. Tori. No, you just got to start from the beginning and watch it on your own. No, that's 69 episodes. That's yeah, well, I had, I had it trimmed down to like a couple weeks worth, but like, you know. There are 40 minute, 40 episodes you don't, of Waterfalls. Look, you don't want to, no, forever. you don't get to just take advantage of my work. I need like <laughs> 25 episodes. That's, no. This I, actually now makes it worth it. You don't get to, No. <laughs> Your kids, right. you can watch it with your kids. You you said you have no, all no. this time between now and this summer. No, no, I'm 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 going with DuckTales because I want the 25 episodes. Wow. Gonna, what? I'm gonna, I'm wow. Gonna, I'm gonna watch Clone High anyway, <laughs> but I need the curated list. Wow. <laughs> this. Because I don't okay. want to watch 69 episodes. This is a shocking upset. <laughs> wow, Dustin. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, should I wait? Is, wait, wait. Does this mean I need to switch to Clone Hodge? Because <laughs> I feel guilty. No, no. I need this no, list. I think this is good. This is actually a if you switch now, to Clone High, you have to still give me the list. That's Dustin. Dustin is now once again the villain. All is right with the world. That's true. How am I the uh, villain? Because you turned against your own best interests. Yeah. I, okay, fine. But I'm still gonna watch Clone High because it's only 13 episodes. Well, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. I mean, we can still watch both this summer, <laughs> apparently. But well, I'm Duck, not. DuckTales I'm doing is, this so I don't have to watch 69 episodes of DuckTales. You understand that? I'm saying this officially. DuckTales is the winner. Yes. There's, there's no more changing minds because we got to go. I cannot believe this. <laughs> God damn it. Congratulations, Tori. Um, thank you. And I, I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I can I can watch Clone High anytime, so it's not a problem for me. We should watch them. We'll still watch both this summer, and I will, but we'll have the curated list. Yeah, but Ducktales is the champion. Congratulations to Ducktales. Um, they could not be here to to accept the award, but Tori will take it on their behalf. Yeah, I'll definitely give it to them. It's not like I'm creating some sort of shrine of Ducktales materials. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'll definitely share it. The, with them. the best part of this is that Dustin, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that by the time Dustin gets through the curated list, he will, he will be in love with the show to the point where he's just gonna watch all of it. Or better yet, his kids are, and he has mm. to watch it whether he likes it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'll make sure there's some really good, uh, you know, Ben Schwartz episodes. Thank you. <laughs> Some good song and dance numbers. Oh yeah, that's important. Got to make sure you got all those. Uh, well, that's the show. Um, congratulations <laughs> to everyone. I'm it feels shocked. like Will Smith and and Chris Rock were like e eons ago now. It's like a whole different lifetime. <laughs> because we just got through our <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is very tough, and especially for the people who are listening, because they'll listen maybe on Wednesday. 
Oh, that's true. So the yeah. Oscars will be so long. They'll be like, why are they still talking about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. no one's going to remember that. Yeah. It's fine. Um, anyway, that's the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, more stuff. <laughs> Moon Knight, Moon? maybe. Oh, wait, is Moon Knight out this week? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, God. On also, Wednesday. the girl, uh, the, the Plainville show. The, the, Ma- the, the Hulu show about the Massachusetts woman who drove her boyfriend to suicide. Oh. Yeah, I'm all over that. Why? Oh, I, I, this show is fascinating to me. I watched the documentary and I followed the story. I'm fascinated. That's just, All right. That's, that's well, just I look not. forward to hearing you talk about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> anyway, uh, have a good night. Good night, everybody. DuckTales. All that. Get to DuckTales. <laughs> you are the one who switched. I...